How to Play, Episode 28, Acquire. Hello and welcome to the How to Play podcast, coming to you from the How to Play studios in Buffalo, New York. This is your host, Ryan Sturm, and this podcast is about learning and teaching games. In each episode, I give an explanation of how to play a game, just as if I was sitting across the table from you and we were about to play the game together. This podcast is intended for use in learning about a game you may not know much about, learning how to play a game by yourself, or to serve as a model on how to explain the rules of this game or others. If you like the show, join and participate in our guild at BoardGameGeek. For more information about all the How to Play podcast episodes, the corresponding teaching guides, and the discussion forums, refer to the How to Play Geek list, for which you can find a link there at the Guild. You can also check out our website, www.howtoplaypodcast.com, where you can support the show with a PayPal donation, and I can be contacted at the Guild on BoardGameGeek or directly at my email address, howtoplaypodcast at msn.com. Now let's get to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the How to Play podcast. This is Ryan Sturm coming to you from the How to Play studios in beautiful Buffalo, New York. It is beautiful. We've had rain for months, but finally the sun's coming out. It's warm outside. It took until June, but spring is finally upon us. Well, it's almost June. This episode was recorded on May 30th, 2011. Today, here on How to Play, we're going to talk about Acquire, and this episode was recorded on May 30th, 2011. First of all, a quick wrap-up on the event that I organized, Calibration 2, The Provost Strikes Back. Yes, this was a grassroots event that was coordinated by myself and trying to get more people to enjoy the great game of Kalos. Well, I had a lot of help. Special thanks to Lee Harris, who donated two games and paid for shipping, and Terry Furness, who donated a game as well, who really helped make this event grow. We had 200 official participants, and I'm sure many more unofficial participants. And I'm happy to announce our randomly determined international calibration ambassador, Frank Meredith of the Albany area in New York. Congratulations, Frank, and spread the Kalis love all year long. We were able to get three games of Kalis out to new Kalis players, including John Fowler of Oregon, Thomas Hudson of Oxford, England, and Eric Chu of Perth, Australia. So congratulations to you. If you missed out, if you're listening to this after the calibration, don't worry. We're going to do it again next year. Third week of May 2012. Pay attention. If you're a listener to the podcast, I'll tell you all about it. There'll be a link to the guild, and we'll do it all over again. Thanks, everybody, for participating in the calibration. Now, let's get back to today's game, Acquire. Starting with my traditional discussion on why I love this game. Acquire is pretty much a perfect game. It is a Euro game before Euro games existed. It was designed in the year 1962 by the late, great Sid Saxon. And if you look there at the rankings on BoardGameGeek, it is the oldest game in the top 100. Okay, there's one older game, but that involves flicking discs into a hole, so I'm not going to count that one. Okay, and there's this other game called Go that may be a couple of thousand years old. But other than those two games, it's the oldest game in the Board Game Geek Top 100. Competing with new favorites like Through the Ages and Kalis and Puerto Rico and Agricola. Just about 50 years later, Acquire still holds up. 
There's a reason why it's still as well regarded today, even though we have so many great games coming out year after year. Acquire plays quick, and on each turn you have some interesting decisions to make. The game is tense and it's exciting, and you can play it with anybody. It lasts in that really nice time frame of just over an hour. And it plays from a nice range of players from three all the way up to six. It's hard to imagine all of the influences that Acquire has had on some of the great games that we have now. Looking at, of course, 18xx, which in turn inspired Age of Steam, to loads of train games. Anything out there that uses stock, the designer probably played Acquire first and used that as an inspiration in his design. You think about Alan Moon's very popular series, which started out as airlines and became Union Pacific, and then became something you might have heard of called Ticket to Ride, and is now evolved into the newest game, Airlines Europe. In thinking about the groups of tiles and how those group of tiles grow and then clash on the board, you think about whether that might have influenced great games like Tigris and Euphrates or Reef Encounter. All those games, countless others, can trace their inspiration back to this fabulous game, Acquire. So, needless to say that if you have been in the hobby for a significant amount of time and you have not played this game or you do not own this game, I say shame on you. Shame on you. I'm going to explain it to you right now, and you're going to need to go find a copy of which there are plenty of copies out there in the world. And this game is pretty affordable. So I urge you, if you have not played this game, you need to learn it here with me and get it to the table as soon as possible. It is, in the finest sense of the word, a classic. And if you've had it sitting on your shelf, but haven't really looked at it or given it a try, maybe this podcast will refresh your memory, give you an order with which to teach it, and inspire you to break it out again. Complexity rating. This game is a green circle. Oh, that's so exciting. I haven't done a green circle game in a long, long time. Anyone can play this game. Gamers, non-gamers. The turns move very quickly. There's very few rules to the game, and the rules just make sense. The only trouble I think you're going to have in bringing this out with people who don't play a lot of games is just getting them to get excited about the financial theme of the game. But once they get into it a few turns, I think they'll get caught up in the gameplay, so never fear. Green Circle. The structure for the show, if you're new to the show, I'll do an introduction, get into the meat of the rules, a hamster with a little bit of basic strategy, and at the end, some of those tiny rules. Also, when you have a game like this that's been around as long as Acquire have, there are a few rules variations that have cropped up and that people play with, so we'll talk about those and I'll give some recommendations on those, so stay tuned for that. As always, I recommend having that game right there in front of you or the rule book or access to the web to see what the board looks like to give you a visual to help you better understand the rules. Now, let's get to it. Let's get to that hook. Oh, I'm so fired up. I haven't done one of these in, in a long time. Are you as excited as I am? Play that sweet guitar music. Part 1. The Hook. What the game is about. Welcome to Acquire. In this game, you are an investor. As an investor, you will be buying stock in one of seven different hotel chains. Then you will grow those hotel chains, which will make your stock increase in value so that you can earn the most profit by the end of the game. 
First of all, let's talk a bit about what the board and the tiles look like, and then we'll talk about the three steps of the turn. The board is simply a 12 by 9 grid, and each player will have six tiles hidden on a rack. Those tiles have a number letter code on them. For example, I might have 3A, and on the board there is a spot marked 3A. It's in the third column and the first row. So that number letter code tells me where I can play that tile. A turn consists of three steps. First, you're going to play a tile to the board. You're playing tiles to the board to grow hotel chains on the board. The hotel chains are marked as groups of adjacent tiles. And usually you're going to want to add to one to make it larger of one that you own stock in to make the stock value go up. The second phase of your turn is you can buy up to three stocks. The third phase is to draw a new tile to refresh your supply back to six. So the goal of this game is to make the most money. You make money and win the game by buying stock in different companies and growing those companies on the board. Because whenever a company gets larger by tiles being added to it, the value of that company's stock goes up. Another important part of the game is merging hotel chains, which is done by connecting two of these groups of tiles. By connecting two of the hotel chains on the board, the larger one takes over the smaller one, which makes the larger company's stock increase in value, and stockholders of the smaller chain are able to trade in their stock or sell their stock for money. And it's a way for you to get more cash to be able to purchase more stock. At the end of the game, each company will pay out to each player the value of its stock and give a bonus based on the size of that company to the two players with the most stock in each company. After the players have sold all of their stock and gotten all of these bonuses, the player with the most money will be the winner of the game. Part two, the meat, how to play the game. So in order to start the game, this game has a very unique way of starting. Each player draws a tile out of the bag, and then the players place those tiles on the board as the starting tiles for the game. So you will have three to six tiles out there to begin with. Whichever player is closest to 1A, or the upper left corner of the board, gets to go first. So again, to review, there are three simple steps to every turn. And they are, you play a tile, you buy three stock, you draw a new tile. When you lay a tile, one of four things are going to happen. You're either going to found a new hotel chain, you're going to grow a hotel chain, You'll play a tile that's unconnected to any other tiles and nothing will happen. Or you'll play a tile that will connect two groups to merge two hotel chains. So let's go over those four things. First of all, founding a hotel chain. On your first turn, you hope to be able to found or start a hotel chain by placing one of the tiles on your rack adjacent to one of those starting tiles. So you will look at your rack and you'll look for a tile that's adjacent to one of those starting tiles and you'll place that on the board. When two tiles are placed adjacent to each other, a new hotel chain is started. There are seven hotel chains available in the game, each represented by a different colored token that covers up two of the squares. The companies have names like Worldwide and Festival and Continental. You would select one of those companies and mark that group of two tiles by placing the marker on top of it. All tiles now placed adjacent to that group are considered part of that hotel chain. Now all of the seven companies are essentially the same with one minor difference. 
Their pricing starts at different levels. Two of the companies start a bit lower, three of the companies start in the middle, and two of the companies start a bit higher. Each player is given a chart of the value of the stock for these companies based on how many tiles are connected to that hotel chain. For example, for Worldwide, when you start it with two tiles adjacent to each other, the stock are worth 200 apiece. Then when it grows to three, its stock is worth 300 apiece. The more expensive company, say Continental, when you have a group of two tiles together, its stock is valued at 400. And when you add another tile to it, its stock will go up to 500, and so on. Choosing one of these doesn't really matter that much. The ones that start lower are a little easier to get, but they top out at a lower value, whereas the ones that start a little bit higher are a little bit more expensive, but they top out a bit higher. You want to start one of these hotel chains, because when you do, you get a bonus stock. So say I started worldwide, I would get one piece of worldwide stock for free for starting that chain. So in the first turn, that's what you hope to be able to do. If you have tiles that aren't adjacent to any other tiles, then you would just have to play a tile somewhere else on the board with no effect. But that is the first thing that can happen when you lay a tile. You can lay it adjacent to a single tile to found a new hotel chain by choosing a marker and you get a bonus stock for doing that. Then in the stock buying phase of that turn, I would probably buy three stock of that company I just started so that I can start growing that hotel chain and try to make that stock more valuable. And coincidentally, growing hotel chains is the second thing you can do when you lay tiles. After you have stock in a hotel chain, you're probably going to want to place some tiles adjacent to it because that makes your stock more valuable. As you can see on the chart that you have, with that worldwide, if there are two adjacent tiles, the stock is worth 200. But if I manage to get that up to 5, now my stock are worth 500. So growing your hotels that you have stock in is good. The third thing that will happen when you lay a tile is if you lay it so it's not adjacent to any other tiles, then it won't really do anything. Adjacent, of course, being orthogonally adjacent. Finally, the fourth thing that can happen when you lay a tile is to connect two groups of tiles or two hotel chains and start a merger. When two hotel chains merge, quite a few things happen. So let's talk about that. We're going to have these groups of tiles growing on the board, and eventually they're going to run into each other. When you have two groups and then they connect, what happens is the bigger company, decided by the number of tiles, is going to acquire the smaller company. So say I had Worldwide, which was four tiles big, and Festival that was six tiles big. When I connected them, Worldwide would disappear and it would all become one big Festival hotel chain. Both of the people who have stock in those two companies are going to be pretty happy with this outcome. The festival people will be somewhat happy because their hotel chain just got a lot bigger in size, and you probably increase the value of your stock for your hotel chain. But the worldwide people, the people who are getting acquired, are probably happier because they have an opportunity to get money. This is the only way in the game to get more money is when you have a smaller company and it gets acquired by a larger company. And this is going to become an issue because your starting money will run out and you'll have no more money with which to invest with which to make more money. So let's go over specifically what happens with a merger. We count the tiles to see which company is going to get acquired. In this case, Worldwide is getting acquired by Festival. Worldwide's marker will come off the board. Next, the top two shareholders in the company getting acquired will get a payout for having their company get bought out. 
The game calls these the majority and the minority shareholders, the people with the first and second most amount of shares. I'm going to refer to them as the president and vice president of the company. I always get one or two people who complain when I make up my own game terms that aren't in the rule book, but sometimes some cleaner terminology, even if thematically it's not exactly technically correct, just makes things a bit easier to grasp. If you want to call them the majority shareholder, you go right ahead. I just think president is a little less clunky. So when a company gets bought out, in this case worldwide, Everybody announces how much worldwide stock they have. The person with the most is called the president and gets a good sum of money. The person with the second most is the vice president and they get about half that amount of money. For example, if worldwide was four tiles big and it got eight and up, the president would get $4,000 and the vice president would get $2,000 as a bonus. Then in turn order, the players have to decide what to do with that stock that just got bought out. You have to do something with that worldwide stock. They have three choices. First, they could trade the stock two for one for the company that is taking it over. So if I had four worldwide stock, I could trade that in and get two festival from the bank. The second choice is to sell the stock for the current value before those two things got connected. So the value of those was 400 apiece. I could just cash off four of my stock in for $1,600. And ideally, you made a profit on that stock because hopefully you bought it at a price of 200 or 300 so you made some money out of the deal because it has grown before it got bought out. But sometimes this doesn't always happen. The third option is to simply hold on to the stock. The idea here is that maybe worldwide will start somewhere else on the board and you'll get a jump on having that stock in your possession. Because once worldwide comes off the board, it is eligible to be restarted when someone founds a new hotel chain by taking that token and putting it back on the board. This is the least commonly used of the three choices. Players are allowed to do those three things in any combination. For example, I could trade two of the stock for one festival and sell two of the stock for the value. Now, it's important that you let players do this in turn order, starting with the player who connected the tile and going clockwise around the board. The reason this is important is because a lot of times, the stock that you are trading in for could run out. So that's why the connector gets priority and then in clockwise order. So that is how hotel chains merge. The bigger company takes over the smaller one. All players then reveal how many shares they have in the company that's getting acquired, or the smaller company. The two players with the most get a cash bonus. Then each player in turn order decides whether to trade their stock two for one, sell the stock, or hold on to the stock. And that's it, and then the turn continues as normal. The player who made the connection can then buy some stocks, draw a new tile, and play continues. There is a certain size that once hotel chains reach that size, they are immune from being acquired, and that size is 11. When a hotel chain is 11 tiles big or larger, it can no longer be gobbled up or acquired by a larger company. It can, of course, acquire and gobble up more smaller companies, but nothing can take it over once it reaches 11 or more. So that's how merging works. And a big part of the game is trying to get one of your companies to get merged so that you can get some more cash, so that you can keep investing. Because if you stop buying stock, then you're losing out on opportunities to make more money. So let's review everything we've learned so far. On your turn, there are three things that you need to do. Play a tile, you can buy stock, and you draw a new tile. When you lay a tile, one of four things are going to happen. 
If you lay two tiles next to each other, you'll start a company and get a bonus stock. You might grow one of the hotel chains on the board. You might put a tile somewhere random on the board that does nothing. Or you might connect two groups and merge them. When you merge them, the bigger takes over the smaller. The smaller company, the president and vice president, gets paid. And all the stockholders of the smaller company either trade in, sell, or hold their stock. So those are the four things you can do when you lay a tile. Then it is the buy stock phase. On that player's turn, they may buy three stocks at the current price. The price is dictated by the number of tiles in that company, as well as which company it is. Some of the companies have stock that's a little cheaper than others. So at the stock buying phase, you can buy three pieces of stock from any companies that are currently active on the board. With the idea being that you hope to buy them when the price is small, add tiles to them so the value of that stock goes up either to make money if that company gets eaten in a merger or to get paid at the end of the game. And then the final thing you do at the end of your turn is you draw a new tile. So the game continues in this way until one of the end game conditions are met, at which a player can declare this is the end of the game. The end game conditions are when you have one hotel chain that is 41 or more tiles, which is usually the most common scenario. You'll have this one monster hotel chain. Or if you get to a situation where all the hotel chains on the board are safe, or 11 or larger. At this point, one of the end game conditions have been met. The game can continue as long as the other players want it to. But when it is your turn, if you want the game to be over and one of those things are true, you declare the end of the game. And at the end of that turn, the game is over. Finally, you do some final payouts. For all the active companies in the game, you go through each company on the board, and based on its size, you pay out the president and the vice president, like you did with the mergers before. And this is going to provide some really nice big payouts for those players who manage to get a lot of shares in the largest companies on the board. For example, the president reward is between 10 and 12,000 if you hit that 41 mark, which can be a big chunk of change. So you'll go through, and the president and vice president of each active company will get paid, and then you sell all of your shares for their current value. And this will take a few minutes as you cash all of the shares in, and everybody adds up all of their money, and the player with the most money is the winner of the game. Part 3. The Hamster how to win the game. So the idea is to get stock in these companies and then to grow them. The frustrating part in this game is that those steps are reversed in the turn order. First you add tiles to the board and then you buy stock. So what you really want to do is be able to buy stock first and then lay tiles, but the game flips those things around on you. And this was done purposefully to frustrate you. So generally, if you have a tile and you want a, one of the companies to increase in value, doing this is a two-turn process. On your first turn, buy stock in the company that you're going to lay that tile for, and then wait till the future turn to grow that. Otherwise, if you lay the tile to grow the company, you will increase the price of the stock before you have to purchase it, which isn't what you want to do at all. So that takes just a bit of getting used to. Usually you want to spend a couple turns buying stock in a company that you know you have a few tiles on your rack that you can grow. The next important thing you need to know in this game is that there's only one way to get more money. And that is 
to have one of your companies be acquired. You start the game with $6,000, which is enough to get you through the first five to 10 turns, but at some point you will run out of money unless you have one of your hotel chains that gets acquired by another company. That gives you the opportunity to sell your stock. There's no other way in this game to make money. If you get broke and you can't buy any more stock, generally that's a bad thing, unless all the stock that you have is incredibly amazing. If you have a long period of time in this game where you're not purchasing stock, you will probably lose. So it's a good idea to try to look to get stock in a company that's going to get acquired. The next thing that you will notice is that the stock chart tops out. The companies and the value of the stock increases quite quickly, two, three, four, five. Every time you increase one tile, the share value goes up $100 for the first five tiles. And then after that, it slows down considerably. The next jump is from six to 10, and then the value doesn't go up until you get to 11. And then the value doesn't go up till you get to 21. So once you get these chains that are particularly large, modeling inefficiency, I guess, by the corporation. Adding one tile at a time to these companies is not an efficient way to make money anymore. You have to be looking to acquire or gobble up those smaller companies. A strategy I've tried to use many times and has been a loser is to try to get the biggest company and just add tiles to it and collect these small little companies. This strategy I like to call 401k the game as you're increasing your value of, of your uh, empire just a little bit, maybe 3% at a time, you're going to fall behind the other players who are merging and getting merged and turning around and buying more stocks. You're going to run out of money and you'll get a good chunk of money out of that big company. But if you're not doing anything else, it's likely you won't do very well. The last thing is those shareholder bonuses that you get both when your company gets merged and at the end of the game are pretty important. So it's important to know who has the most of companies and paying attention in your mind to how many stocks people have. If you're playing with closed stock, which is typically more standard, playing so that all stocks are face down and not public information. That means holding that number in your head of how many stocks people have. You don't have to pay attention to everything, but if you have one company that you're focused on, say worldwide, and you know someone else is buying worldwide, you have to pay attention to how many they're buying and how many they have. But that's all the advice I have for you. Invest in the stock first, then grow it. Be sure to try to get acquired to increase your cash flow in the middle of the game. Don't go with the one big monster company strategy and growing it one tile at a time, as you'll probably fall behind the other players. And be sure to pay attention to try to get that first place or even that second place of those presidents and vice president bonuses. Well, what about do what the other players aren't doing? Shouldn't you do that? A lot of times people get good bonuses by getting cheap vice presidents, by having just two or three shares, by paying attention to companies that not a lot of players have gotten involved in. If you can get a cheap second place by paying attention to what stocks that some other players have been avoiding, that'll get you a nice bonus. So good luck as you try to grow your financial empire. The only thing left to consider is the consequences of your actions. 
What I always get sad about is the end result of all this is always, you know, having these two or three big monster corporations on the board at the end of the game. And when I think about this, you know, it really sort of makes me sad because these big monster corporations just start coming in and swallowing and stomping on these mom and pop businesses. And because they just start driving them out of town, then there's such a lack of competition from anyone else. And so their workers, they can they can drop the salaries of them, which because these workers are, are working for basically nothing, they don't have benefits, you know, it decreases in the overall quality of the business, as well as, you know, any sense of pride or accomplishment in, in the workers who work there. And what happened to this idea called the American dream, when a person could start their own business? And get rich, how do they have any chance with all these monster corporations clogging up the market? Not to mention the sterilization of any sort of local culture or, or any sort of uniqueness. And you drive from town to town in America and everything all just looks the same. What about the result of all that? Well, thank goodness, it's all just a board game. Part 4. Footnotes. Alright, a few of these small rules here. It's important to note you can only buy stocks of companies that have already been founded. So at the beginning of the game, if you can't start a company, you can't buy any stocks. So play is just going to pass around until somebody starts a company. Then everybody can start buying that company. When someone opens a second company, then there's two companies available for purchase and so on. Same thing, once a company gets acquired and it goes out of the game, people can't buy that company anymore until it comes back on the board. Another important note is if the president and the vice president, if the top two people have the same amount of shares, then they would add up those two rewards and divide them by two. Same thing if there are three people who were tied. You would add up that total amount of money and divide by three. We're going to talk about open and closed in a minute, but one thing that is definitely open is the amount of stock remaining for each company. There are 25 stock certificates for each company. And so if you ever want to know how much is out there, you're always allowed to look at the pile and actually physically count so you know how many are in players' hands. It is possible to have multiple mergers when you play a tile if you have sort of a T-shape or in the unlikely event you would have a cross and you could play a tile and merge four companies. That is possible. What happens in that situation is you deal with the two biggest companies first. So you, you have the biggest company acquire the second biggest company. And then you take that very large company, then you have that acquire the next smallest company. If when there's a merger, the two sides are tied, one side has five and another side has five, the person who is playing the connecting tile gets to decide which one acquires which. Which can be very important, because a lot of times the person wants to be acquired so that they get that money. Also, it's good to note that you don't even have to own stock in either of those companies in order to connect two companies or to merge two companies. Now, you'll have to determine whether it's in your best interest to do that. A lot of times, if you're not involved, it is not in your best interest to connect other people, as you're just going to be giving some other people some spending cash, which they can use to buy more stock, which usually you don't want to do. Next vegetable, unplayable tiles. This is a rule, actually, I just learned. 
I've been playing it wrong for the last few times I know I've played this. If there are no more hotels to found, if all seven are on the board, and this will probably happen in most of your games, people will want to start those companies so they get the free stock. But if there's no more markers left because all seven hotel chains are on the board, you are not allowed to play a tile that would usually found a tile. That is, play a tile to connect two tiles. That tile is considered temporarily unplayable. That tile is unplayable now, but it's probably going to be playable later when one of those companies gets merged and then that marker will become available again so that you could start that company up again. Unplayable tiles are different than illegal tiles. Illegal tiles is later in the game you'll have a situation where you'll have these two big companies. They're both 11 or larger and they can no longer connect because they both have that term safe. So you might have a big line, a big divide where these companies are next to each other and those tiles cannot be played as they cannot be connected. Now, as to the original rules of the game. In the original rules of the game, if you have a tile that meets this condition, it is illegal, it can no longer be played for the rest of the game. At the end of your turn, you're allowed to take any such tiles and take them off your rack, play them face up so that the other people can see those, and draw replacement tiles. Now, the newest version of this game, the 2008 Hasbro Avalon Hill version, doesn't have that rule in it, unfortunately. And the consensus is, is that this is a good rule, because it's likely that you could have three or four dead tiles on your rack that you're just stuck with. The rule the 2008 version uses is if all six of your tiles are unplayable, you can clear them and get a new rack. But if you have three or four dead tiles, then you're just out of luck. So I recommend using the old rule at the end of your turn. Any illegal tiles you have, you can turn in face up and draw replacements. And finally, a very important variation here, open or closed? That is the question. This game is the classic example of many games in which the question comes up, should you play with money being private knowledge or public knowledge? And also stocks. Should those be face up or face down? Many players play either way, and it just depends on the player's preferences. It is not specified in the 2008 rules, and I believe in older versions, it was left up to the players to decide beforehand. Do you want players to be able to ask each other how much money they have, and do you want to visibly show how much stock that you have to other players or keep them in a face-down stack that you can look at and no one else? I would say the more common method is to play with everything closed, which means poker chips aren't really a good thing for this game. The paper money is perfectly suitable as you can hide that better in your hand. The stock cards do have backs so that you can flip them over and people can't see what you have, so you can just make a nice stack. This is the method that I prefer. It leads to quite a bit of analysis. If you allow for other players to look over and see what everybody has, it makes people deciding what stock to buy take quite a bit longer. But it does introduce a memory element into the game. You know, I guess it also depends on how seriously that you're taking the game. I will tell you that generally I'm not a fan at all of any memory elements in games. But I think that the memory element in this game does make it work. It's good to have sort of that fuzzy idea of knowing that someone has so much stock. They might have five or six or seven, but I'm not really sure how many they have. 
I think it just makes the game a bit more fun, makes the game move a bit faster, but that's up to you. I have seen some people do one of each. Some people say open open stocks and close money or vice versa. So it's something you can play around with, a little bit of an experiment. Sounds like a good topic for Jeff and I to talk about on the Ludology podcast, hidden versus open information. My recommendation, if you're just playing this for the first few times, play everything closed. You can experiment with some things open if you like. And finally, if you don't own the game, what version should you get? There are, there's got to be five or six different versions, and there's so many copies of this game out there. If you want a copy, you could get one on eBay, probably very cheap, because it seems like almost everybody has a copy of this in their basement somewhere. For years, there was the old 3M versions, and a lot of these had sort of these plastic ones with, with interlocking pieces that you could lock down on the board, which was pretty nice. And then Hasbro in 99 came out with that sort of big deluxe version, which was probably bigger than it needed to be, but it was awfully nice and pretty. But paying the exorbitant amount, you'd probably have to pay for that. Probably isn't really necessary, unless you feel like you have to have the absolute best version of the game. And then I think there's some wooden versions out there that a lot of people like. But the newest version, it's cheap, but it's it's not half bad. It's certainly serviceable. It's the version that I have. The thing going for it is it, it costs like 18 bucks online. So wait a second, my irony meter just went off. As I think we were just talking about decrease in quality and due to monopolization of major corporations. Oh, but it's only 18 bucks. Sigh. So you can get this game very cheaply. Either get get the newest version, or if you poke around on eBay, you could probably get a real nice old classic version. Though probably not the pricey ninety nine version. You could you could get an older version, probably even cheaper than the nineteen dollar one for the new one. So there's lots of options there for you to choose from. But that's all I've got on Acquire. I'll be back again in just a few short weeks to share with you how to play another great game. Thanks everybody for your continued support. I want to welcome two new members to our podcast network. I'll say welcome to the Little Metal Dog Show, which is an interview show which interviews gaming personalities, as well as on-board games with Scott Nicholson, Eric Dewey, and Donald Dennis. They discuss board game topics. They were an inspiration for the show Ludology on the format that we decided on because it's a show that I've, I've really enjoyed over the years. So if you haven't checked out on board games, give them a listen as they are also now a part of the Dice Tower Network. So with that, I will wrap things up and say thank you so much for listening. This has been Ryan Sturm of the How to Play Podcast. One, two, three, four. This has been Ryan Stern for the How to Play podcast. How to Play is written, recorded, edited, produced, promoted, and financed by Ryan Stern. How to Play is not affiliated with any game vendor or game company. If you like How to Play podcast, I count on you to support it. You can help out by joining and participating in the guild, donating financially to the show, writing reviews or rating the show on iTunes, help talk up the show in your game group or on the forums at Board Game Geek. We have no contests, no gimmicks, no advertisements, no plugs to game websites or companies. All of the show's content is free of all bias, save for one, my own, and that is due to your own continuing support. Please consider supporting the show in some way today. I love to hear feedback from you, and I can be contacted through our discussion forum on the Guild at Board Game Geek. 
or I can be emailed at howtoplaypodcast at msn.com. This podcast home on the web is www.howtoplaypodcast.com. Thanks again, everybody, and until next time, I hope you will learn, teach, and play great games. Thanks for listening. The How to Play podcast is part of the Dice Tower Network, the premier board gaming media network, featuring Ludology and the flagship podcast, The Dice Tower. For more information on these shows and much more, please visit www.thedicetower.com. Hey, everybody. Wolfgang's here. Hello. What is it, Wolfgang? Oh, now is the time on the How to Play podcast when we dance. He did Vassal. I'm Tom Vassal. I'm Tom, I'm Tom, I'm Tom, I'm Tom Vassal. I'm standing for the people. I'm standing, I'm standing for the people. So I was almost ready to cry. What Ryan said is true. Aha. Kick it I do love Age of Steam. I do love Age of Steam. I do love Age of Steam. Okay, okay, I've been sitting here trying to think of a way to argue with Ryan. What what Ryan said is true. What 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 Ryan said is true. I think Age of Steam has already piled drive through all ages the ground. I'm standing I'm standing for the people. What what Ryan said is true. I don't know the best way to describe it because I fell asleep playing it. It's boring. Oh. And I literally did fall asleep during a game on this one time. Aha! I'm Tom, I'm Tom Vassal. The lethargetic experience. I'm Tom Vassal. <laughs> Thanks so much. Oh, that Vassal really knows how to rock. Bye-bye.